Hello and welcome to Movie of the Year, the only podcast with the science and the screaming to determine the best movie for any given year. This season, we are focusing on 1988, and fellas, I have a feeling it's going to be a big show. <laughs> oh, man. Greg, oh, Greg, right off the bat, you are me. killing it. My, you slay me. Oh, my God. My two buddies, my two best friends, but competing to see who will be my ultimate best friends are, of course, returning champion, longtime best friend, Ryan. Hey, Greg, thanks for having me. A wonderful joke. Are you giving points yet? Uh, yeah, you know what? Wonderful joke Ryan. right off the bat. There's I really loved Ryan. it. There's one for Ryan. Oh, good. There's one for Ryan right off the bat. And also, of course, challenger, sometimes almost winner, yeah. Taylor. Here's the thing. I've I've never won. No. And I feel like I've done very poorly. So I think this week, my strategy is I'm just not going to like try really hard. Just I'm gonna just going to phone gonna, it in. Just going to phone Damn. it in. That's oh, there you point. go. That's one right there. There we I, go. I'm See? loving that attitude. Yeah. All you're saying is I'm going to do pop filter shows the pop filter way. So yeah, I noticed. Exactly. I noticed you dressed a little casually for the show. My knees are fucking out. Yeah, okay. they are exposed. So that has nothing to do with trying to like show me a little bit of knee to maybe get an extra point. I mean, listen, if if it gets me a little extra point, I won't. I won't complain. <laughs> we well, have. Who, uh, who knows where that point came from? Wink. We record on Business Casual Fridays. Yeah, where it's like slacks and a sweater, maybe yeah. a tie, and you come in in shorts. Yeah, it's a power move. Listen, it's a legit power move. I don't, I don't give a fuck about your corporate big wig sort of. I'm not like, a part of your fucking I, system. Yeah, I'm not a part of your vice president of product development. <laughs> yeah, and we can all tell because you wore jorts and a jert, a jean t-shirt. Yep, that's absolutely. a lot of denim going on. <laughs> uh huh. It took me a long time to to get a place that would sell a jean t-shirt, but you know what? Skadoosh. Worth it. You know what? Skadoosh. guys. Tonight we are talking about 1988. Big. That's why I said earlier it's going to be a big show. Oh, I didn't even get it back because then. Because we're actually talking about the show Big. Now, Taylor, you're a little bit of an expert on this because... I'm a big boy. Because you're a big boy. Hey! <laughs> I did not know that that was the thing that we had. Taylor is an avowed big boy. I'm, a, I'm an avowed big boy. Uh-huh. So, uh, I am Bob's big boy. <laughs> I think you're going to have a great show. And look, hey! it's happening already. Do you guys have a history with this movie? Was Big a big part of your childhood? Big childhood? It, yeah, it was. I watched this a lot. I, I don't know if I've addressed this on this show before, but I went to daycare until I was like 11 or 12 years old. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So, I, I was around a I lot of... I'm not comfortable with that. That's a weird one. You know what? But I don't like that a bit. I wasn't I wasn't either. <laughs> My Were parents, the other kids like just like still like five and six? I mean, uh, there was a range of ages, but, uh-huh. but yeah, I was like... I started to become the oldest person, and my mom was like, "You could, you could probably just go straight home <laughs> after after school from now on." And I was like, "Thanks, I've been wanting to do that for a long time." But so I, but daycare did not break you from the breastfeeding. That still went on like two or three more years after that. Yeah, I think uh, until I was twenty seven. Twenty seven, yeah, yeah, pretty standard. Jimi yeah. Hendrix age. Yeah, yep. Uh, Jimi Hendrix, uh, little known fact, breastfed <laughs> until his death, and that's actually what killed him. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I doing that. I watched a lot of movies just that were like, ah, kids, watch, watch this. Yeah, it'll be fine. And so I watched Big a lot. So uh, they would just like put that up. Yeah, they just chunk including up, including the part where like he like touches her boob. I think we had bra. an edited version because oh, I think okay. that it was that, just that scene over and over again. Yeah, or I we might not have ever made that was that, a big part of the movie for me when I was a kid. Like I was 
I was allowed to see bra. I yeah. couldn't see bare boob, but I could yeah. see bra. And it's not just that. He smushes it. Like, yeah, you dude, see movement he goes in, in there. there. And yeah, it allowed you to build up a lot of theories about like what a boob might be like. Like <laughs> yeah. a sandbag. Chrome. It's like when scientists are trying to figure out like what sort of like quarks and like subatomic particles there are. <laughs> Bombarded it's with like shit. it's like we can't directly see it, but we can see stuff that's like around it. <laughs> Big is definitely one of those movies that we'll probably never have again because yeah. of all the ways to watch movies. Um, Big, everyone had their VHS copy of Big. Every sure. household, you know, and it was it was kind of like that Princess Bride, even maybe more so than the Princess Bride. Uh, we had a all backup ages. copy, yeah, just in case uh, anybody can watch this movie if it's you know if family's over, it's totally fine. And then the basic cable, when you have that many VHSs, and people are still watching it on basic cable with commercials, even though the VHS is right over right there, because I'm not gonna fucking rewind a tape, you idiot. It's weird how much more appealing it is when it's just on TV. There <laughs> are no movies, including like Marvel movies, that. The whole world will see as many times as a movie like Big because it came out when it did and what it's like tar- tar- target audience is. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's this movie, like Ferris Bueller's Day Off, like any movie that they were like, we can get the rights on any channel, like it'll just air. The, the only like analog I can think of is now with like TV shows with like friends where like yeah. there's somewhere there's always a channel where like friends or how i met your mother is currently on tv but people are doing whatever they can to make sure that isn't the case anymore yeah you know, friends is gonna get moved to something that nobody's gonna subscribe to and then it's just gone whereas we're, big we're, was everywhere okay we all agree we're not gonna fucking give into this nbc these channels no listen they had CISO, and we gave them a little bit of a chance yeah. i'm not gonna let them fuck up another streaming no. server i gotta say i paid for CISO for four months uh-huh. and didn't watch a single thing but i'm i'm not i'm not part of the problem you guys were part of the problem with um, CISO. excuse me i paid for CISO for five months and didn't watch a single thing but you paid for my CISO. i borrowed your password and thank oh, you for that that makes sense <laughs> <laughs> now I understand all those emails that I got. Well, we obviously have a lot to say about Big, but I want to put the focus on 1988. And specifically, I want to talk about the Ghostbusters, who would be the Ghostbusters of the actors of 1988. And I want to enshrine them on a sweet-ass mountain. Mount Rushmore! Until just this weekend, Mount Rushmore was a mountain that had all four of the presidents that we've had so far in the United States enshrined, but they fell off, and so now we have to replace them, and they've asked us who should replace them, and so we are going to replace them with the 1988 Ghostbusters. Now, we have done this multiple times, and I am proud to announce I finally understand what this is and what it means. Uh, the Ghostbusters of 1988 are the four biggest comedy acts, like the com- the four biggest comedy actors from 1988. If you were going to put them in a Ghostbusters because of their like pull and their like comedy chops, yeah, we want it to be funny. We want it to be because it's an action comedy, so yeah. we need both those things. And then also uh, it has to make as much money as possible. So I think that like The Rock is probably the perfect all time thing. Yeah, uh, both action and comedy, and puts butts in seats. Unfortunately, 1988, he only looked like a 40-year-old gentleman, so he's not eligible for this. <laughs> I think nine, like 88 is maybe like that fanny pack version of The Rock. Yes, that's what yes. I'm talking about. Okay, With yeah. that gold necklace. Listen, yeah. He's like 16 years old. Put that man in every single Seriously, movie. he had a strong energy, and I can feel myself responding to it even now as I just reflect on the picture. Can you imagine being a teacher? 
and having that guy as your student yeah. and trying not to fuck the shit out of him. Yeah, that must dude. have been so hard. It's crazy that there's like that guy and also breakdancing Vin Diesel at like the same time. <laughs> Little did they know they one day hate each other. I did have a, a friend, no one who I have spoken to for like 15 years, who taught high school. And one of the first things she said to me was like, these dudes on the football team, they look like men. And that's as much as she said about it. But I've always kind of been freaked out by that <laughs> yeah. comment, and I'm like, always. I everyone's got like half an eye on the news. Uh-huh. Just like, am I gonna hear about? Uh, it? That's some real Riverdale shit. Yeah, we are gonna move right on from that, as if I did not say it at all. Ryan, why don't you pitch someone who's gonna go up on the mountain, the Mount of Rushmore? All right, guy who has done comedy, um, not known as like a comedian back then, but somebody who's capable of lightweight stuff. Okay. And actually, some of his movies, even in 88, I guess would be considered comedies. But I don't know if you can make a movie in this year and be able to have anybody you want and not put Tom Cruise in the movie. Yeah. Uh, and like, even though your whole goal was to get butts in seats. This guy was so extremely popular. Uh-huh. And for him to, I think, headline the rest of the comedians that come is vital. Dude, I love it. Uh, you're going to get the people in the seats for sure. And there's really not a type of acting this guy isn't up to you i feel like you have to be normal to be funny but he's not normal and still manages to be very funny but he's just observed normal human behavior long enough i've always said he's the exact uh middle of dan Aykroyd and william atherton like the ginger asshole in ghostbusters uh-huh I, that's a person you made up <laughs> um the guy who yes it's true this this guy's dick is very small he comes over to like bust the ghostbusters uh-huh because they're there to bust ghosts, but he comes over to bust the Ghostbusters. Anyway, Tom Cruise. Right. I'm just going to give you a point. Thanks, yeah. Tom. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't seen Ghostbusters we're, in years. We're putting Tom Cruise up, up on the mountain. Hey, bud, do yourself a favor. See Ghostbusters. I will not. Oh, That's he's the be- reporter from Die Hard who gets punched in the face by the oh, yeah. man. That's William Atherton. I mean, why, why didn't you start with that? Remember? What, yeah. That guy was just put in movies like to be punched mm-hmm. and to be hated. And to scowl. That the would, adult Billy Zabka. I like, I like to think that's the role that I would play if I ever got into show business. All right, Taylor, we need somebody else on this mountain. We must have somebody else on this mountain. Uh, then I'm going to throw in someone who I think is very relevant to today's episode. Okay. Mr. Tom Hanks. He's a man who's done lots of comedies. He's got yeah. Turner and Hooch, I yeah. believe, at this point. He was on Bosom Buzzies? Buzzies? <laughs> Bosom Buzzies. Bosom Buzzies. About the girl bees. Yeah. A, n- a show that I'm sure is not problematic. Now. No, absolutely. Sure we can I'm watch sure it now. That is. Wow, what an enlightened take on all of this. Seems like it comes right out of 2019. <laughs> uh, but I feel like this was a point where everyone's like, yeah, we like want to laugh with Tom Hanks and also want to fuck Tom Hanks. We have a Tom on the mountain, though. Yeah. Is that going to confuse people? Right. No, well, this is the Tom Busters, right? Ryan, have the Toms ever been in a movie together? I don't think so. They we have never put the Tom, our two national treasures. The Tom Toms. Do they? Do you think it's because people would be like so confused? Yeah. Which yeah. One is this? Well, I'm putting them up on the mountain, <laughs> and I'm excited about this idea that we're putting the Tom. You would think they would do it just huh. for a larf, you know, just Let to me, have a good time. Famous Toms. Ryan, who else is going to be with our Toms? How about this, Greg? How about uh, instead of just these like actors that are serious but capable of lightweight stuff? How, yeah. how about we put an actual comedian on there? Let's make Eddie Murphy a fucking Ghostbuster. That makes sense. Man. That's a good one. 88 Eddie Murphy, just like Ascendant, had completely that, taken control. This of, was like the top of his game, yeah, right? Like both a stand-up comic, uh, both stand-up comedy and like being a comedic lead in movies. So charismatic, 
so effective, so handsome, so good at both of those things. Although, honestly, fellas, talking about problematic, yes. do you guys remember some of the jokes oh, man. from Ross? Do you, not, <laughs> sure do you do. not go back and watch the stand-up specials. <laughs> sure no. do. I knew uh, a girl in high school who said that her favorite thing ever was uh, Eddie Murphy's Raw. So I went out and rented it, and I was like 14. And by the time I was done with that, I had a lot of questions about this girl. And a huge crush on her because I was just like, dang. Because she's a homophobe. You like that? That's weird. <laughs> why, why would you watch that and like somebody who liked it? Anyway, That's I am putting him up on the mountain. We don't condone the homophobia. We do condone that entirely red leather suit, okay. though. Listen, the suit is 100% on point. Yeah. And so for everybody's in the brown Ghostbuster getup, except for his is a red leather He's going to be wearing Ghostbuster the red. Getup. 100%. The red leather yeah, apparatus. With, with, that, with that collar. All right. Hang on. Right. I had not given you your point. Appreciate it. And that's wrong. Uh, Taylor, there's only one spot left. Okay. So you know you got to bring some major heat. Then I'm just going to bring in the hottest of the hot. We've got, listen, we've got a bunch of attractive dudes on here. We do. Fuck that. I want someone with a real funny voice and who I think is really famous at this point. Gilbert Gottfried. (laughs) Listen, I think in like I don't think he had yet been in Aladdin, but he's pretty close. Uh-huh. And everyone's like, we love that fucking parrot. We love him because he's pretty close to being in Aladdin. Yeah, pretty yeah. soon. This we, guy. We love him because he's got a voice that I want makes me want to claw my ears out. Yeah. And it's really funny at this point in time to put people in movies who are really annoying. And he squints a lot. I actually don't. I have five positions here. Yes, so this, he could be. Like this should be in the Rick Moranis, Moranis position. He, yeah, so th- I'm gonna. Okay. I'm gonna say that I called that he's I, gonna be the Rick. I'm Moranis gonna put position. him in the Moranis maybe pile, a spot, a pile specifically for Moranis characters. Ryan, yes, can you do better than Gilbert Gottfried. I think I can. I want to keep in mind. So far, this mountain can work at almost any time. Yeah, like Tom, Tom, and Eddie. That's a good mountain. I want to make this really eighty-eight. I want to think of somebody who could open a movie for no fucking reason uh-huh. just because it was 1988. Tom Cruise, Tom Hanks, Eddie Murphy, Paul Hogan is the fish out of water on the Ghostbusters. Okay? We have our first crocodile Ghostbuster, and the four of them are rocking uh-huh. ass in New York. This, this almost gives us uh, a Hemsworth from... Uh, exactly, from... From the real Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters. Yeah. I call it. Well, the real, real Ghostbusters. The real, real Ghostbusters. I'm putting that up on the maybe, but that is a strong That's very maybe. Good. Taylor, can you do better than having an Australian member of the team? I, I don't know that I can, and also we're running real low on my list of candidates yes. because, again, was not alive in 1988. I think George Carlin was alive in 1988. And he was a comedian, and everyone loved him. I do believe by 88 he had been born. So I think we should put that guy with like his weird, like angry beard. He's just smoking a lot uh-huh. while, while, he's, while he's busting ghosts. And everyone's like, what's, what's up with your, your angry friend? We've got a bunch of attractive guys. Who's, who's this guy uh-huh. who's, just, who's just screaming at Bring people? Bringing a little bit of edge to it. Yeah, and, and everyone's like, I, I don't know, he just... He, Came along one day, and the ghosts are very terrified of him. Well, I'm going to bring him along for the scare factor. I'm going to put him on the maybe pile. Ryan, you have one more more person here, and then I'm going to put the final two guys up on the mountain. Okay, then I'm going to throw out my uh, Rick Moranis. Yes, that's a good idea. 1988, putting butts in seats. We want all of the butts in the seats. Yeah. Okay, so what I would like to do, and if this is a cheat, I understand. I'll pick one, but uh, the two Corys. Should be the Rick Moranis. 
They're the is there going to be a single collection of people that Ryan does not try to put the two Corys <laughs> as one unit on? And this, this is not a 1988 season. thing. I did this for 2004. Uh, but having them be like the new kids, like maybe they're college interns uh-huh. uh, that want to be Ghostbusters. And the whole movie is clearly thinking um, that, oh, they'll take over the franchise one day. Uh I'm going to put them in the in the Moranis maybe pile, and I'm going to say this. With two Toms, I think you're on thin ice. You know, I don't think you <laughs> Tom, can... Tom, Tom, Corey, Corey. Yeah, I don't think you can do that. Uh, isn't Tom Corey the name of a poem? I don't even know. I have no Here's idea. Here's what I'm going to do. Your Rick Moranis is div- definitely going to be Gilbert Gottfried. Of course. That's just... He's, he's, mis- he's Mr. Rick Moranis. You can't argue with that. And then the last of the actual Ghostbusters will be Paul Hogan. That's such a good pull. I, listen, I know that I said... Uh, like Damn. I know this is a competition, but Ryan. such such a good goddamn pull, right? It does feel weird to compliment each other, doesn't it? Yeah, you know what? You're doing great. Thanks, bud. I th- I think okay. you're gonna win this. Mm, no, Greg, Greg, you're doing great. Mm. You gotta you gotta keep talking to Greg, Greg. if you want. The, I can't give you points, Taylor. Talk to him. Greg. Hey, Greg, what's going on, buddy? Greg. I just, you, you know what? You deserve those points. Just eyes right here, guys. You deserve those points. And that emotional outburst is brought to you by Skadoosh. Skadoosh. Hey, Greg, can you... I, I, I don't want to make requests, but could you give yourself another point for that? Greg. Thank when you. When we come Do you want to hear the mountain? Excuse me? Do you want to hear the mountain real quick? Sorry. Mm, I felt like I was moving on there. <laughs> felt like a Taylor. Yeah. There's going to be a point for you. All right. Thanks. All right, but do tell us the mountain, right? Your 1988 Ghostbusters are Tom Cruise, Tom Hanks, Eddie Murphy, Paul Hogan, and your Rick Moranis role is Gilbert Gottfried. Uh, money, please. <laughs> when we come back, we're going to be talking about big. Wow. Wow. Good stuff so far, and I bet there's more good stuff yet to come. Holy cow. We don't, They're we haven't, doing it. We haven't heard what's up yet, but like, if you could uh, put some numbers in your little computer nerd and find out if mo- there's more good stuff. Boop, boop, boop. Yep. Tons of more good stuff. Tons more Coming good live stuff. right at you. That's awesome. Uh, where'd you buy that computer nerd? Uh, computernerds.com. Mm-hmm. Thank you. We're in the commercial portion now, by the way, Mike. Oh, I got that yeah. from your pop mm, I got that from yourpopfilter.com slash Amazon. It's where I buy all my things now. Including bookmarks? Including bookmarks. Speaking of bookmark, bookmark it. Um, what about if you didn't spend enough money at Amazon, you have some more money to give to us? I have about a coffee a month's worth of free money. Okay, and we know that sure. Because I'm bad at budgeting, and that's all I have. That could go to Ethiopian children. Sure. They are going to just burn it away on food right away. What we'll do is make more great tent for you. And them. And what we're talking about is, of course, patreon.com slash yourpopfilter. Do it for the Ethiopian kids. We have a special podcast just for them. So if that means that if you don't join a Patreon tier, you hate the Ethiopians. Yeah. Why do you do that? Why do you got to hate them? And then, of course, uh, you said Your Pop Filter twice, and I don't know what that is. Oh, YourPopFilter.com mm-hmm. is the mother site to everything we put out. Do you want podcasts? We got them. Do you want articles that are four years old? We got those, too. Everything that we do is at YourPopFilter.com. If you want articles that are less than four years old, uh, you got to become a Patreon member. Patreon! Uh, that's just a dollar a month. Did we do Patreon already? I, we could do it again. We'd uh. explain more than pseudo-racist things. Okay, let's then skip that one. Let's just do Amazon again. Just kidding, we already did it. Bye! The late 80s saw half a dozen body swap or age swap movies released in theaters, but we only remember one of them, thanks to a giant floor piano and baby corn. Penny Marshall became the first woman in cinema history to direct a movie that grossed over $100 million and the first woman to direct a movie called Big with Tom Hanks. Big tells the story of a 13-year-old kid named Josh, Josh makes a wish to be taller, 
not necessarily older, so he can ride a roller coaster and impress a girl who essentially has his same face on a female body. Oh, did you guys notice that? The wish comes truer than he'd like, as they always do, and he wakes up the next morning in the body of a 30-year-old Tom Hanks. Josh spends the rest of the movie hanging out with his best friend, who is still 13, falling in love, and moving up the corporate ladder. Taste buds, I ask you this. What is Big saying about the state of the adult in 1988, and how does it seem in 2019? What about the state of the male adult, and what about the state of the white male adult? Well, okay. I mean, we do watch this white male just fall up the corporate ladder oh, as yeah. hard as he can. Immediately. The first successful thing he does is he bumps into his boss, knocking him and himself over. And let's compare that real quick to Elizabeth Perkins, the girl he falls in love with, at a party has an idea. And Robert Loja, who I think is great here, uh, the boss that Tom Hanks runs into says, like, uh, Susan, you bitch, this is a party. Get the fuck away from me. Stop trying to tell me about stuff that'll make the business better. It's uh, Like, it, I don't understand how, A... This is uh, a white male just immediately falling up. But also, it's I could not do this today because I feel like maybe I'm just missing. I think that's maybe what the movie is saying is I am missing the childlike wonder of being able to do whatever the fuck I want. Uh-huh. Because if I even slightly touched another person in the workplace, I would just be like, I am so so sorry that I inconvenienced you right now. I am quitting. I am <laughs> gone. Like that. W- like I, the idea of coming into contact with another person, much less having a conversation about that. Yeah. If I had bowled someone over, I would. I would kill myself. I. I would slit my throat in front of him on my knees. And back in the day, I think the message was important. You know, like I think there was a re- there, there. There has to be some reason that all of these body swap comedies came out at the same yeah. time, and it's because we were adults back then. We're all like crazy corporate America working 70 hours a week and had lost that inner child and here's a literal way to get it back, right? Yeah. Here's a guy who uh, is a child and so this is what you could look like and succeed. And then right. the ultimate message is, <laughs> you can't do all of that. Like uh-huh. you can't, yeah. you do have to go back to normal but just keep this message in your mind. Today, I think it looks very, very different. You know, I still think that you can show this to kids and I, I still think that people our age can have fun with it but there is this like underbelly of, oh my God, yeah. <laughs> Look at white men. They can act like they have like severe mental handicaps <laughs> and they are they will be fine. The the moment when he like eats that baby corn in a very stupid manner uh-huh. and then immediately like vomits out caviar and she just looks at that and goes, oh, "I'm gonna fuck this you, shit." She's like, "Do you want to get out of here?" <laughs> and yeah. uh, guys, what the fuck was happening in the 80s? What does that mean? We're going to get deep okay. on their relationship because well, we have we have to focus a whole segment on the two of them and and what they're doing, but that is certainly an instance in which he just does anything and society is like Good job, 30-year-old white man. I do think that this movie is taking aim at a specific generation of white men. I mean, we're t- all of America was John Hurd, right? Every single person between their 30s and their, in their 30s or 40s was John Hurd, Kevin McAllister from Home Alone's dad, Susan's yes. boyfriend in this movie. All of them. Yeah. Because uh, all of those guys are like, who's this fucking guy coming uh-huh. in here and like making toys and shit? Fuck that asshole. Whereas like the the old guy mcmillan is like in charge of stuff and he's not as childlike as josh is no he isn't he the hybrid right and he and he's sort of like hey you you just gotta like toys and so he's like i feel like it's trying to say uh, the older generation knew how to get jobs done but still like care about stuff whereas now it's been 
like abstracted away from the thing you're working on and now it's just business for the sake of business. But in that way though, you got to admit the movie is clearly trying to say that um the World War 2 generation and I J- Josh I guess would be a Gen Xer. He'd be uh-huh. born in like 77. Uh know how to do it and the baby boomers are just fucking asshole evil right there in the middle who are trying to destroy the upper and lower generations around them. The movie's clearly saying that. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, clearly. Well, I th- I, I, when they put that on the title card at the very beginning of the movie. But, I, I mean, we're all trying to get to scenes with Robert Loja and Tom Hanks together, even maybe more so than uh, Tom Hanks and Susan together. Yeah. yeah. Right? Susan and her, I guess, boyfriend uh, for the, in the their, first half of the movie. Their relationship was very confusing to me. They are shown... There, there was this vein. We've seen it now in, in 88, but you see it in a lot of the movies in the 80s, like of this new cosmopolitan work-first... These people that were like, as a couple, sort of like sexless and specifically childless and unmarried and like very metropolitan. And the movies of the 80s fucking hated these people. Oh, yeah. And that's what Susan is at first. And then she becomes something different. And we'll focus on her later. But do you remember the neighbors in National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation? That's what I think of. Yeah, that's who they are. Julie Louise Dreyfus and the guy. The guy. Uh, But basically their crime is they want to sit comfortably in their living room and not have fucking redneck yokel people like spewing toxic waste into their living room. Invite 40 people over to the house next door. And then, yeah, just scream and yell and turn lights on for the entire Spring, and then they're the bad break. guys, and their crime, honestly, is they don't have children. Right. That's, like, really what their problem is. It's weird because, a lot. you're right, a lot of the 80s hated these people and, like, their, like, method of it's being. It's Beetlejuice, too, right? Yeah. Like, we see it in Beetlejuice. But I think we culturally took the wrong message from that hate, and we were like, well, like, we don't need to be, like, like hating business we just need to be like cool business so now we can strip away people's privacy and and all of their ethics but we're dressing in hoodies or be like wendy's twitter feed yeah i have that sort of attitude listen well we know that we sell garbage products at the lowest possible (laughs) price we also are extremely depressed but look at our boxy you Buy a baconator and then later choke yourself while you masturbate it's all the same wendy's Oh, guys, I love the world that we live in today and all the things that brought us here. Does the adult world as presented in Big feel like a real adult world? Is it the the adult world experienced by white 30-year-old men in 88? Or on top of that, is it even easier than that? I think it's funny. I think it's exactly... I think it's the world that kids thought the world would be. Now, that was partly informed by Big, but also... I definitely thought this that was adult... What adult life was like. I watched Big a lot as a kid, and it was extremely formative. I thought my job was going to be playing with toys. (laughs) I really did. I was very much looking forward to that. The other things, too, is like they go to like a dinner party. So there's like five groups, five couples at a dinner party hanging out. That's every single night when you're an adult. Uh That's just all you do. Um, And then I do think that this is the case for many adult white men. I think other people probably struggle a little harder than how this show's adult life is. Most people uh are closer to Tom Hanks and his first night at the hotel than they are how it becomes. I have to say, I I took some issue with the math on this because... It, they were saying that hotel room is seventeen fifty a night, which a is an absurdly cheap price. Yes, and then he gets his paycheck and he says one hundred and eighty seven dollars. Yeah, and he gets very excited. Yeah, but that pays for eleven days. Yeah, in that hotel, and if he's being paid bi weekly, guys, there's three days unaccounted for on that paycheck. But don't worry, because he bought that loft. Yeah, a friends level loft. That is, I want to know an the, entire the price tag floor on that. of a building, or like a quadrant of a floor of a building. He had had 
like one weeks of salary at the VP position. He's like, yeah, I can buy this. Yeah, I'm just going to buy it. Straight but well, I'm not even going to negotiate. I'll just take it. The apartment is a big thing, too, because growing up, uh, getting like older than Josh as I watched the movie, um, and then growing up past some of the stuff he did, I still there was still stuff in the movie where I was like, oh, but even though I'm almost an adult now, when I do make it rich, my apartment will look just like this. It'll nope. have a Coke machine. Nope, it never will. There was obviously a scene in which the realtor was like, and then do you want us like, do you want to design a four? floor plan and we'll put some walls in here and because he's a kid he's just like nope no walls. open space just, nope. <laughs> it leaves more room for activities open, open concept i'm gonna ride my bike in here i here's the thing though if i today got that loft i think i might do the same just thing. leave it all open like that yeah and i think you know what i i would probably have more adult things i i would have a trampoline in there oh yeah dude that's a good life i want to bounce on that trampoline he's living Damn. that trampoline life well, thank you very much, guys. When we come back, we are going to do just a couple segments just for our Patreon listeners. Listen, they paid. They get the extra segments. It's just that. This easy. is for the VPs. If you're still entry-level data yeah, entry, dude. then you're probably not going to afford to yeah, hear this. You are being checked at the door here, and your punishment is less show. You get still more. You, there's going to do be more show after this, but you're going to be missing a little bit, and you're always going to wonder, like, what was it? What, what kind of funny stuff did they say? Greg, are you done with the sports page? I'll give you the I'll give you the metro for the sports page. The metro? I would never read the fucking metro. I don't want to know the news going on directly around me. It's all about what's happening in your house yeah. though. That's crazy. <laughs> the halfway point. When did this tram get ads on it? <laughs> Welcome to the Pop Filter Hall of Fame. That kicks so hard at the end. The, the big symbols and then the welcome to the Pop Filter Hall of Fame. Why does that little guy run in, say that, and run out? Uh, like, the, hang out for a bit, bud. That dude fucks, and honestly, he's like... He's all just, the time, though? All every, the time. Every time he runs in, I'm like, I get a little whiff. Yeah. And that dude, is, he smells like fuck. He's just in between assignations, and he doesn't have time to do much more than pop in and say that. What? I'm sorry, what was that word you just assignations? used? Assignations? I've never heard that before. You know what? Look it up, kids. I use a lot of words, and some of them are real words. Don't look it up. He's, he made it up. Just assignations. Look it up. Now, we recognize there are Hall of Fames for many things, but we wanted one, because I think every young boy of dreams of one day having his own Hall of Fame. What about the things that matter to me, say white men? Don't anybody care anymore about that? And the answer, of course, is yes. That's all we care about here at Pop Filter. The needs of middle-aged white men. So Do we, we still have that rule that it, we can only nominate white men? No, we loosened it up. Oh, okay, okay good. <laughs> we, lo- we loosened that up. Um, and you know what? This Pop Filter Hall of Fame comes to you with 30% fewer sexual harassers. Oh. And that's our promise to you. Uh, by 2030, we'll have maybe zero sexual harassers in the Pop Filter Hall of Fame. That's an the a, dream. An auspicious goal. Is it possible? It is currently, though, mostly white men. I know that like the Hall of Fame is about... Mine like, is a white man that I'm going to propose today, <laughs> and now I feel really deeply bad about that. It's about the, the people in pop culture who made us the people that we are. Unfortunately, 
that's from a time when there was only white men allowed to do it. But yeah, are we just absolutely outing ourselves here by just the roster of our Hall of Fame? <laughs> Let's see. Can we can we get even a shred of diversity in today's Pop Filter Hall of Fame? Taylor, you are the guest. Who do you think belongs in the Pop Filter Hall of Fame? Will Smith. Listen, he is the Fresh Prince, one half of the greatest hip-hop duo of all time, Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. You are such a Jazzy Jeff guy. I uh, Listen, I... I'm putting Will Smith on this list because I know that if I put Jazzy Jeff on here, you guys wouldn't put him in. But Jazzy Jeff deserves to be on there. He's kept it real. He is still at the top of his game. One of the greatest DJs living. But back to Will Smith. I'm sorry. I'm getting heated. Yeah. I'm hot. All right. Will Smith. Fresh Prince. All right. He's in Independence Day. He was in Wild Wild West. Jim West? Yes. Desperado. Desperado. Do you are you excited about that movie where he's going to be like fighting his clone? Oh, you know you what? Love Will Smith. But I then do he's love also fighting Will Smith. Will Listen. Smith and Will Smith. Listen, record scratch. I'm a huge Enemy of the State fan. Wow. So I will watch any Will Smith movie. Like what about Hitch? Yes, I've I own Hitch on DVD to this day. It is in my apartment right now. When uh, Kevin James is doing the Q-tip. Classic. Classic. When Will Smith gets his face all blown up and he has to go get Dramamine, he's singing Earth, Wind, and Fire. Yeah, I fucking love him. What about that movie where like his family hires people to like get his depression out of his system? They act oh, like, uh, 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 yes, I know exactly what you're talking what about. Fuck? It had some uh, generic name, it, it's right? It's like he's he's writing letters to like death and yeah. time and stuff, and then like Helen Mirren is death. But then, uh, spoiler alert for that movie, at the end of the movie, you find out that they actually are death and what? time and bullshit. He guys, wasn't crazy the whole guys, time? It's the fucking craziest now, movie I've ever seen. You have, have to go watch that how movie. How does the relationship work? Death? It's It's death. Is is his time is, is the sister? Yeah, death is death is her mother, and time is her sister. sleep is sleep is the sister of death. Okay, and you guys, we got fu- so what clo- a fucking family picture. What a fucking family. Picture. All right, so we got so close to recording the podcast without you guys bringing that up. I'm so glad that got mentioned. I, just dude, then. I see it come from a mile away, and I'm there to bring it up. All right, so Will Smith. Part of the famous Willennium. Ryan, who do you think should be in the Pop Filter Hall of Fame? Well, when I think about the Pop Filter Hall of Fame and Pop Filter in general. I just I think about togetherness. I think about tightness. I think about family. Let me tell you who my family is. My family's Taylor. Oh. My family's Greg. Hey, whoa, nice. My family's the late great Mike. It's Dominic Toretto. It's Letty yeah. Ortiz. Oh, it's yeah. Han Liu. It's Brian O'Connor, oh, no. Mia Toretto, Roman Pierce. It's Sean Boswell, Giselle Yashar, Luke Hobbs, Elena Neves, Vince, Jesse, Leon, Monica, Suki, Neela, Twinkie. Tio Leo, Rico Santos, Mr. <sighs> nobody, Ramsey, little nobody, Hattie Shaw, John Cena, soon to be. And Deckard Shaw. Guys, the Toretto crime family means so much to us as friends. That is very as true. As people and as podcasters, and they belong in the Pop Filter Hall of Fame. You want the whole Toretto crime family? Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. All right. Listen, you named even, like, side characters. You named, like, one. You, you dropped fucking Suki on there, and she was in five minutes of two, and that's it. And I, she's my favorite character in the entire franchise. I think The Simpsons are in the Hall of Fame. Yes, The so Simpsons I, are okay, there. Okay, yeah. If, so if then, you yeah, are it's an fine. institution like the Toretto family, then you can be enshrined all together. When I thought of my candidate for the Pop Filter Hall of Fame, I was sure this guy had to be in it. I was sure that someone who had made so many of the things that we love would already be in the Pop Filter Hall of Fame. Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Parks and Rec. I was sure this guy who wrote for The Office would already be in the Pop Filter Hall of Fame. 
And then I was sure, after The Good Place, a comedy that's meant so much for to us that he would be in. But no, Michael Shore is not in the Pop Filter Hall of Fame. Are we going to let that stand? Now, you know, of course... That we all have to vote unanimously. So, oh man, all three well, we don't these, have to. All three of these people, well, for the person to make it in, they all they have to have all three votes. This is so difficult. And we all each only have two votes. So here we go, Taylor. You said Will Smith. Yes, I did. Do you still vote for Will Smith to be in the Pop Filter Hall of Fame? I still vote for Will Smith to be in the Pop Pop Filter Hall of Fame. That is, to me, that feels like a big decision. It, guys, this is a very difficult decision on every, it, on every it, choice. Ryan, do you vote for Will Smith? I think that Will Smith. Typically, we say like maybe not this year, maybe some other time. Probably not ever, but uh, yeah. he's still he's high in my heart. What? Yeah, low in what? my parts. No on Will Smith. Summertime. Parents just don't understand. Girls ain't nothing but trouble. We love Will Smith here, but I don't know if he was that important to us. And Maybe this just you. reeks of a ploy to get DJ Jazzy Jeff somehow oh, yeah. okay. into the Hall no, of Fame. No, no, you're that, putting something on it. That will not God stand. Damn so it. I do not vote for Will Smith. God damn it. That means Will Smith will not make it. I'm sorry, Jazzy. <laughs> All right. How about the Toretto family? Ryan, do you stand behind your Toretto family vote. I had the same feelings with you and one Miss Yule Shaw that I can't believe they're not, they're not in. Yes, the Toretto family's in. For me, for this group of people, 100%. This is like appointment viewing for us. Uh, we just made plans to go drink and watch the Hobbs and Shaw movie. I can't imagine there's anybody who's excited about that movie. I'm like <laughs> very, very excited. I think it's going to be the worst, best movie of all time. Uh, I definitely vote for the Toretto family. Taylor. As someone who created an entire separate podcast where I forced my roommate to watch every Fast and Furious movie with uh-huh. me. No. Uh, I Yeah, I have to vote for the Toretto crime family. They're was going it, right in. Was it still forcing like five and six? Were you uh, no. still making? Once, once we got to, I think, uh, he started jumping in with Suki. He's like, you know what? I like this Suki character. I hope she comes back. I didn't tell her. Yeah. Didn't tell him that she didn't. Uh, but by the time you get to like four, he's like, "Okay, wait, no, I'm on board now." <laughs> well, then they're in, right? That's that's votes. it. The Toretto's. Congratulations! All right, real quick, we will go through Michael Shore, who is a sure thing. I bet I'm going to say yes. Michael Shore is in. Ryan, I'm going to say yes. Of it's course, about time. Of course, of course. I Taylor? I would I would love to say yes, but I'm looking at my readout here on my iApple Watch and uh, looking like I do not have. Any more votes in you my sp- vote counter? Yes, split the votes with Will Smith. I didn't sure you, did. I because you guys split the vote by thinking, oh, we should put Michael Sure on. Like, yeah, he's fine. He's maybe great. more important to us than Will Smith. It's hard to get into the Pop Filter Hall of Fame. Congratulations to the Toretto family. The fifteen of you have all managed to make it in. What, whose picture do we put in the plaque? Because it can only be one person. It's got to be Dom Toretto. Not Brian O'Connor because he's no. dead. Yeah, I know. It's also weird that his name's Brian, right? Yeah, I don't think we can have that. We already have a Ryan. I don't want to get all confused. We're talking about I two Toms. I we also don't talk Craig. about how for one movie, his nickname in the movies was Bullet. When we come back, will we talk about how for one of the movies, his name was Bullet? Perhaps because we are getting to our next question. Is there a real relationship here between Josh and Susan? 
Or is it hard to look at this as anything other than like a weird fantasy-based statutory rape? And let's talk about how we felt about this maybe when we were kids and how we feel about it now that we're adults. Well, let me just address two real quick things. Yeah. Envelope. One, Rapid fire. One, Collateral Beauty was the name of the Will Smith movie. I could not think there of it. There it is. Okay, Thanks, there you go. Very Appreciate good. That. Two, oh, Patreon. Non-Patreon people don't know what the fuck we're talking about. Yeah, yeah right now, if you're at home, just Why didn't you pay for head, it? Like, dude, the Patreon listeners know exactly. Uh, don't call one of them and try to figure yeah. it out. Uh, and two, the love interest in this movie looks exactly like Millie Bobby Brown transposed onto oh, an adult. I saw okay. that for sure. Okay. I saw that for sure. We were all thinking that, right? Yes. She looks exactly like exactly. Millie Bobby Brown. Which, there are some parts of this movie that that makes it slightly better, but uh, several parts where it makes it way worse. No, by the time they get to the carnival, he's straight up dating Eleven. When yeah. she's got like her hair like yeah. curly and there's and mustard she, on her mouth. And it's it's the little she has those like, nosebleeds. It's the little smirk that she does. Yeah. It, it's exactly the facial she, expression that Eleven does. She does an interesting thing in this movie. Susan is like a lot of different people over the course Wearing a lot of, hats. of this movie, yeah. But one of the things that happens only for a brief time in the movie, and I think that's kind of realistic, is she becomes like a very young version of herself. Yes. When she's with Josh. That goes away because at some point she's like I do want to have an adult relationship now because like, I'm an adult. Uh, but for a while there, she is like a little kid, specifically in the carnival scene where the two of them yeah. are together. And she acts like such a little kid that that's when she really seemed like Millie Bro- Bobby Brown. She looks exactly like her, and then she kind of was acting like she was herself 13 or something. But she wasn't 13 no. at any point in this movie. And for some of this movie, she knows that her boyfriend is 13. Just a little bit right there at the end. That's but up. without any boob pushing, right? Yeah. There's yeah, no boob never, pushing once she finds out. She goes to kiss him at one point, and you're like, oh, God, she's going to kiss this guy. Oh, man. And she kisses him on the head. But there is, like, a heat still. Like, yeah. you know, he's still in his adult male body. But there is still, obviously, an attraction. And then she goes and fucks Billy. Who still looks thirteen? Like, that was weird. That's I don't know if you didn't see the end credit scene <laughs> where she just knocks on Billy's door and then she's wearing that Jets jersey. She's like, "Sorry, Samuel Jackson, I will not be in the Avengers. I gotta go. <laughs> Fuck this guy." Uh, I I was on board. I was like, "Okay, you can very easily if you like just cut out the the little bit of that scene with the boob pushing. Yeah. This is actually not a, a bad film, and it it totally holds up. And then right at the end there." We get that little bit, and the moment where I was like, nope, unsalvageable, is when she was like, maybe you should keep my number. I was like, no, (laughs) nope, that's called grooming, and that's not okay. Okay, because when she says that, it's kind of cute. Are they going to end up together? No, I don't think so. absolutely not. This is going to be a moment in time for both of them. Right. And I think that it's important, her decision, too. Like, she sort of knows that magic exists in this world and that... There's a machine that will. She create comes wishes. to that realization real quick, yeah. by the way. And she and but then, isn't that the most boring part of any movie where you can't? Get oh yeah, no, yeah I, I did not mean that as a like a slight because I the movie did that I think, more. a couple of effective things. One, the mom never believes it, so he can't convince her. Okay, good, you just move on. There's which a makes scene. it way more horrifying. Yeah, but. yeah. The uh, shimmy shimmy cocoa pop with the friend—that's a very effective way to convince somebody that you are who you yes. say you are. And then you just have the girlfriend accept it relatively quickly. Right? You don't need, like, 15 minutes of people being like, but what? Huh? One of the most important parts is when she has this option in front of her and she says, no, I already lived that. I can't go back and do that again. You know? And it sort of, it brings all this balance into the movie. The whole point is supposed to be, you're supposed to be uh, a, you know, an adult and a kid at the same time. Uh And when she says that, she's like, this time with Josh was great, but I can't go back and do that again. 
Should she be more grossed out? I don't know. I know for a fact, and this is just a fact, and we don't have to talk about it, we can just move on, that if the genders were reversed, this movie would have been horrifying. Yeah, right? because keep in mind, this movie does a very good job of, by not focusing attention on certain things, ignoring what would be like very pressing issues, which is we know based on his reaction afterwards that they do have sex at least one time. And then the movie goes through like a period where they are obviously in a relationship cohabitating. And so they are clearly having a long-term sexual yes, relationship. Yes, they're, they're fucking yeah. boinking every night. Like all the time. Before the, she knows, but well, I mean, he knows yeah. the entire time. I am a 13-year-old boy having sex with this adult woman. I, I think the thing that slightly lessens the blow is that we do <laughs> have... <laughs> We do have a good one, Taylor. <laughs> we do have a couple of scenes wherein he is still like a child in an adult body, and like she is very like they make it very clear she is trying to fuck this man. Yeah, and he's like, "Nope, we're gonna go to sleep on my bunk beds. We're yeah. having a sleepover. We're totally chill." And so when he does like finally consummate the relationship, it's very clearly consensual and not yes her like going after it. So there's at least a, a, the barest amount of. This is not someone like being predatory and like putting something on. I think there's three important scenes that sell the boob push, like that make it. uh, I love that weird. It's not. It's not the boob touch to us. It's the no. He really jams his hand. (laughs) He 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 pushes it. it. He's 13. Um, The trampoline scene, okay, and her coming to grips with the fact that they're not just going to fuck and never talk to each other again. Uh That's a big one. The carnival one that we talked about, where now she's finding the balance and becoming a little bit more Josh, and I think good ways. Like, she's adorable in that scene, and she is not. She doesn't seem mentally challenged like Josh might. She just seems like she she can have fun every once in a yeah, while. Yeah, like it's reawakened something in her. And then the other Why? one where they uh, they have the conversation about, you know, Elizabeth Perkins says, what is this? What are we doing? Like, what are I, we? I need the status of our relationship the right now. The 1988 version of what are we? Yeah. Oh, man. And Tom Hanks is like confused and then sort of gets it but can't explain but like thinks it's all very weird and serious and starts hitting her with comic books. And then they get into like this play fight. Gentlemen, that is how every conversation with actual adult men goes down with <laughs> girls. When girls bring it up, they get into that exact right. same fight. I think that if Susan was ever sort of thinking that this might be a kid in a man's body, he, she learned at that moment that, oh, he's not. This is how this is a fully grown adult. That's And also, I really fully respond. Like, there's a lot of moments in this movie where I'm like, mm, this is an uncomfortable relationship. Uh-huh. But it's usually from Josh's perspective where I'm uncomfortable. But the the moment that I really responded to Susan's character is when she goes back to his apartment and it's it's just like a weird wonderland and she's like, ah, I'm I'm already this far in. We might as well just see where this goes. <laughs> and I think, I, I don't want to speak for everyone, but I have definitely been in that situation uh-huh. where I'm like, I, yeah. This is weird, and I'm very uncomfortable. Let's see what happens. I have to say, I think that male characters in the movie accuse Susan of like sleeping her way to the top. I think Susan is very real, realistically portrayed as a horny chick. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, she's like she's she likes this guy for some reason. It's not that big of a deal to go back to his place and have sex with him. He seems a little bit weird. You, he just keeps sort of moving the ball for what's weird. She's just trying to bang. And then, you know, eventually she enters into a relationship with this guy. But I thought that her persistence in being like, all right, let's like, okay, now let's do it. Taylor. My question, though, is your 13-year-old Josh uh-huh. in oh, a 30-year-old I'm- man's body aren't one of the things you want to do, right, is you want to have sex <laughs> with a lady. He, 
And he seems to be sexually interested in women through most of the movie. Why in, in that one night? Why doesn't he? Uh, here's why the, isn't he trying to fuck? Here's here's another thing that I will say as someone who has been in a couple of these situations. Sometimes you know that you're in a situation where you probably like you want to fuck, but you're like maybe this isn't the right time. Right. So then uh, you sit on the couch and you watch four hours of Chris D'Elia stand-up, <laughs> and then they finally go, do you want to have sex? And then you finally do, and you're like, we could have done this three and a half hours ago. And I was thinking at some points, it's sort of like in like King Kong or a Godzilla movie where sometimes the monster is 10 stories tall and sometimes they're 10 feet tall. Uh-huh. Sometimes Josh is 11 and sometimes Josh is 15. Yeah. But that's how actual 13-year-olds are too. Yeah. You know? So him like... Him, also, he would probably be scared fucking shit. Yeah, him being oh, very yeah. nervous oh about yeah. it makes sense. And then him also just not picking up on right. a single signal also yeah. makes sense. I want to sleep over. Okay, cool. Uh, but you have to take the bottom buck. He says, but I get to be on top. Sexual. <laughs> uh, did you guys, did either one of you watch the extended cut? No, no, I had started to, and then no, I've only seen like the real actual version. Yeah, because because the original cut was the version that I watched as a kid. So I was like, I, I just want to see what like what the actual version I watched as a kid holds up. It was a good call, as all extended cuts are. Uh, not a single thing that was yeah, added was good, worth it. Right? But Taylor, going back to your, uh, she just uh, glommed on this pretty quick and believed that he was an adult. She does a little detective work in the extended version. After she finds out, they're walking down the street. It's very awkward, and Susan says, "I need some gum." And Susan looks at like the very sensible like Trident packs, and Josh grabs Bubblelicious, uh-huh. and she's like, "Oh, he's a kid! I know for sure." God damn it! I'm banging a child. Ryan. Speed round. On that note, we move to a very important speed round, gentlemen. Robert De Niro was seconds away from being cast as Josh Baskin. What? What would that have been like? Uh, hey, Susan. <laughs> Wait, I don't see anybody else big around here. Uh, wait, you, you being big to me? Uh, you smiling at me? Oh, okay, yeah, keep going. I have, Continue. I have nipples, Susan. <laughs> Could you milk me? Oh my Could god! Could you push my boobs? Oh my god! Could you milk me, Susan? <laughs> Guys, I want a movie where it's Tom Hanks, but he's pretending to be Robert De Niro, <laughs> and he just says, "Could Could you milk me, Could Susan?" You- if that's like a thing that I have, could you milk me? If that's like a fetish, Do and of course have that points goes to Greg. Is it okay that this movie makes zero sense story wise? You know what? Sure. Yeah, it's fine. I mean, all I want is, and there's a lot of ways that they do this to lay down the fairy tale, uh-huh. like establish that early, and then you get to sort of set up your own rules. One of the thing that things that helps out a lot is the music. Yeah, the '80s was this time of like big, like John Williams, like timpanis and shit. The music is very like bumpy and boisterous uh-huh. and i think it really helps you carry like from scene that makes sense or doesn't make sense to scene that doesn't make sense if you think about anything that happens in this movie and ask yourself what would a normal person do in this instance it doesn't make any sense what exactly does josh's mom and his dad which is in the movie he's in the movie for like one half of a scene and then just disappears what exactly are they doing to find their child Jack Talking to shit. Billy, like they yeah. know they just uh, Billy. Can you please go hey, find my kid? They you, put him on the milk carton, and then they're like, "Well, we'll, we'll just wait." Because it would have made sense if he said, "I'm running away." Maybe by '80s movie logic, you could then be like, "Okay, he's uh, he's re- he's run away and he's hidden somewhere." In this movie, the premise is that he says, "I have been kidnapped," and all his mom does is just sometimes on the phone be like, "Hey, could you give me my kid back?" And they didn't yeah. even do the '80s staple of "We got him. Keep him on the line. We almost traced no. him." 
They didn't no, do that. They, e- like they didn't even once be like, oh yeah, we tracked like where this letter came from. Because he's sending them like physical evidence yes. of his whereabouts. And then at the end of the movie, he comes home and they're just like, thank God. Not like, where the <laughs> fuck were you? I because would never tell him. I would love to see a sequel of this movie that is just the actual ramifications of the events yeah. in this movie. Like Josh not being able to get over Susan, Susan having very conflicting feelings, knowing that the man she loves, although 13 now and obviously a child, is the person that she fell in love with. Josh's parents figuring out what happened, his friend trying to pick up like the broken pieces of their relationship. Knowing for a fact that there's a magic genie machine that you can go ask that just you grants want. you any wish as long as you get the quarter in his mouth. The fact that he's so good at getting the quarter. That and that was part of the yeah. game, right? The quarter does have to go, to go in. in. Yeah. And it has that, to go in. And I would never be able to get that goddamn quarter in there. For sure. They would never go in. For I've, sure. listen, I've played games like that before, and, and they're fucking rigged. They do not want you to get that quarter in there. And by the way, Billy was so resourceful. And his parents were such duds that Billy was responsible for getting him on the milk carton. Like, yeah. Billy did all of the legwork for that, I bet. The, Billy is the most adult character in the entire movie. I want to know what happens next to Billy. Josh is clearly a Giants fan. But when Susan sleeps over, she wears what is pretty clearly a Jets jersey in bed. Was this the biggest blunder in the movie? I hope somebody got fired. Yes. I, yes, it was. I, I, th- I think Ryan. that I think that clearly she is a Jets fan, and she brought that with her. She brought what? That's what's in her purse? You think yes, Jets? Yes, absolutely. Bag. Because she's, she's at the party. She's terminally horny. Yes. She is yeah. going to fuck someone. She's like, I'm bringing my sleepover clothing. But she doesn't bring, like, handcuffs and maybe a taser gun to and, spice and, things and you up. And you will notice she's wearing that Jets jer- like yeah. jersey. As she's laying in bed thinking that she's about to get boinked. I so, love so that is the thing that she puts on to get comfortable. Is like, I am going to get fucked. I'm going to get raw-dogged in this Jets jersey. If you go back to someone's house with them and they don't have books and they have a bunk bed, don't fuck them. There's well, a great disagree? S- funk on the top bunk. <laughs> There's a great Susan moment in that scene, though, where Josh is in the Damn. bathroom and she's, like, she's under the covers. And then she pulls the covers down to her knees. And then she's like, "Nope, too much, Susan. Like, let's yeah. not let's not make it that obvious." And the, another "nope, too much" moment is when Tom Hanks is shortening trampoline to tramp. Yes, and he goes, yeah. tramp? I was like, "Whoa, Aline!" And like you could tell, Tom Hanks realized mid line that he can't he can't shorten trampoline. Let's hop up on this dirty tramp. <laughs> This, is, this movie is one of the few fish-out-of-water stories that throws the fish back into water in the end. How does that change the overall message or feeling of that trope? Uh, no, you know what? Put fish back into water. Fish can't live without water. Okay. Don't, don't let fish die gasping on the land. If, they, if they're not doing well, put them back in the water. I think what it does is it sort of it takes the, you know that like old black wise man that's a trope? Uh-huh. It sort of puts him in the forefront and turns him white. But... Uh, instead of saying like um, this person's going to come and then learn and change, we actually he changes everybody else and then yeah. he just disappears in the background. We just never get that person in the foreground. He's usually just disappears by the third act, so all the white characters can learn their shit. Because Susan is the one who really arcs in this movie, right? Yeah, she like and she has a very interesting arc because it's like up and down and all over the place. She's the bad guy, and then she's. A slut, or I like our re-envisioning her as just like legit horny, yes. like with no judgment. She's, she's just like pure horn. <laughs> From then, Tramp to Olean, the and Susan then, story. And then like, oh dang, I banged a kid, and then like, all right, I'll stop banging this kid. She does the whole arc, the whole redemption And you arc. know what? I appreciate where she gets to the I'm going to stop banging this kid part. You that, know what? It's if bare you, minimum, but I like it. If you can't start there, make sure you end there. A famous office episode has a new employee, Holly, under the impression that coworker Kevin is mentally handicapped. 
Shouldn't this have been the same story? Yes. Yes, it should have. It was mostly for me outside of the apartment when they were both going in. Susan thinks they're going to bang after the party. And the stuff that Tom Hanks says to her, like all the responses, they do, like, if you read the transcript, they make sense. But the way he says them and the actual words he used, Susan should have been like, all right. What the fuck? You're not processing anything yeah, I'm okay. saying I, to you. I'm, I'm nervous about going to jail, not for fucking a kid, but I don't know if you're like able to give me uh, allowance to have sex. I should probably bail. She's just watched him like completely clean out his mouth with a napkin <laughs> yes. because he jammed in a fistful of caviar. Oh, and then the limo ride. She watched the entire limo ride. Yeah. That, that entire limo ride is so hard to watch. <laughs> this is just a terminally horny person is terminally who is just horny. Get, glad to have the opportunity to bang Tom Hanks. And it's again, like, I feel I think she has a disease like in Crank where if he doesn't keep his heart going, <laughs> like if she doesn't fuck every 24 hours, she dies. <laughs> in this wonderful PG movie. Well, that is the end of the speed round. When we come back, I'm going to give you your final scores, and we are going to talk about the prospects for Big going forward because, guys, this is the last movie in the 88 (gasps) bracket. (gasps) Next week, when we come back, we're fucking choosing... Well, not next week. Next week is part one of our choosing, trying to choose. That's when we tickle the balls. That's when we tickle the balls, but we don't work that shaft too quickly and uh, maybe stay away from that head even. Get sensitive at first. All right. When we come back, more handjob tips. I have tabulated the scores, and I am prepared to announce the winner. Dramatic music, please. What's that? I don't think that was the dramatic music. I think I hit the wrong button. I'm Producer sorry. Dave, what the fuck? Sorry about that, everybody. That appeared to be the scream from Annihilation, which is which is really awful. But Taylor, yes, you scored thirty. Oh my god, three what points? What? Which That's too many. Is the highest score? Oh my god! In the history of the show, because Ryan scored thirty-one points oh, and Taylor. What? What? I'm a big boy. Taylor, I did it. He is a big boy. Oh, my God. Racking up. <gasps> Congratulations <gasps> on winning the best friend experience. Ryan, do you want to talk to him at all about uh, what he can expect from the best friend experience? I hope you have seven different Chipotle orders memorized because yep. you never know which one he's going to call for. Yep. I hope Listen, you are ready for a squirt it. gun fight at any point in the day or night. Literally yep. any point. Because you will have about two minutes to get ready before he will start my squirting you. My gun's always ready to squirt. Get ready for me at, like squirting you, quote, accidentally with ink and then saying... Did I do that? <laughs> right? Classic. That's what you're going to Classic. That is what you are going to oh get. Oh, my God. This is the I'm best so prize I've ever won. Dude, I'm so proud of you. And I once won, like, a full all-expenses-paid pr- trip to Europe. Wow. And this is even better than that. Yeah. It's like, and that was better than the time that I won, like, $4 million. Oh, by the, by the way, this week, <laughs> so did Greg. You have to pay those expenses. Yeah. Yeah. All expenses for Greg paid. You, I think you get to I'm, go. I'm your best bud. Oh, and you know That's what? That's what friendship is. And you know what? I I appreciate that. That is so beautiful. So, I, I thank you for letting me be your best friend and letting me pay for everything that you need. All expenses paid trip to Europe. That's that's tens of thousands of dollars? Like, how much is that? I would say that's one. Depending on how long you go, I think you're looking at one ten thousand dollars Fuck, man. One $10,000 bill. Well, we know where Taylor and I are going, which is obviously we're going to go take something uh, similar to a honeymoon uh, all throughout Europe. But how about this movie, Big, 1988's Big? Where's this movie going? Is it going to move on? Does it have what it takes? I think it does. I think that I think it is actually still pretty great, and I think yeah. it's easy to squint through its issues. Uh, I think that a lot of its issues that we talked about tonight 
um, aren't that glaring. I think that it's it, not I think as it'll be okay. I thought it was going to be right. I or am, as glaring as it could be. Just yeah. by hearing the premise and the year that it came out, you're like, oh fuck, I'm ready for I this am, shit. I am more positive on its chances ha- now, having watched it, than going into the movie. I still don't think that it's going to be. I don't think it'll be like a top four contender. Uh huh. But I, I think it, I think it could beat. It could surprise and beat. I some think of it them. has well, the, it, the a legit in shot this. in a in a competition which often goes to like our second picks. I don't know. I think it has a legit shot. I think it could run the table in a in a surprising way because it really it's a satisfying movie. It's a funny movie. It makes you think. It has problems, but none of them feel glaring. Right. You know, it, it's a satisfying movie. We talked a ton about all of these iconic set pieces tonight. We talked a lot about Tom Hanks's performance, although we didn't necessarily address it directly. We really did talk about it for the entire yeah. show. Uh, there's so much going on for it. Uh, like I think it's a good movie. I think it's uh, and like timeless in a lot of ways that I didn't expect it to be. And now we have Shazam, the sequel, the superhero sequel, Shazam. Well, good luck, Big. I hope you have what it takes. Next week we have part one of the finale, so we're gonna lop off I think like four of the movies right off the bat. Yeah, Taylor said it, he thinks it'll move on, just not to the final four. If you move on, you are part of the final four. Yeah, so I don't know how insane. to do math. Yeah. Well, that's. It, Classic Taylor. Because of the week it is now, Taylor's week as best friend, that's actually correct. That actually makes sense. Oh, fuck. And this is the last movie? Yeah. Yeah. So, so that this means- is like a month of Taylor being your best oh, yeah. friend. If you win yeah. the last show, you are best friend for like five weeks, I, maybe even a little bit I more. played the long game. Yeah. So, bud, I'm really looking forward to oh, it. It's going to be a great time. I'm really looking forward bitch. to hearing all of you next week even though i don't hear you you hear me that's the way it works but until then keep watching them movies